So welcome to a very moving edition and episode here for you. Wow. This is the first episode I was actually moved to uh, tears. Very powerful. And I learned a lot in it and have a lot to chew on after it and reflect about it. You're going to meet Max and Isaiah. I got to meet them at the Youth Leadership Forum, which happened at the last week in July. We had several guests on in season one. Whitney and Sarah, we can link that episode up into the uh, show notes. They're organizers of this event, were participants of this event, and spoke about how important the event is and how life-changing and altering is. And in meeting them at the Youth Leadership Forum and connecting afterwards to say, hey, we should, we should do a podcast recording together. We did, and wow. Max and Isaiah, after the Youth Leadership Forum, you know, definitely already grown, and they're here to share and open up their hearts. A lot of courage and bravery on their part, and you'll, you'll hear why. You'll also hear me going through a very important learning lesson that I'm very much taking with me into heart and you know, have more that I need to be very uh, reflective on and important that I take accountability for. But I got Max's pronouns incorrect, uh, calling him a her, and had a lot to learn from that experience. And so I'm very appreciative of that. I'm definitely in a space where I am looking to seek to always be better knowing that I don't know a lot out there and continuing to learn. And I appreciate the grace in which Max had for me in not getting that pronoun right in this and decided to take the learning lessons forward from it. They come to us talking about a lot of important and rich areas about transformation, you know, moving from one place of, you know, not being well, not doing well and transforming and evolving into a place of hope and aspirations and having a new lease in life and all possibilities. What they want other people to know about their life and, and their attitudes and you know how they would appreciate people interacting or communicating with them. They share with us some of the, the ways in which they've cultivated their purpose and their why and what they're working on, the power of art and what it does for them their take on helping others and how to best go about doing that. You know, the difference between pity and empathy. And they give us their take on what it means to, to live independently and have the independent life. This episode definitely moved me. Uh, I have a lot of respect for them and the courage that they have to share what they did. Not easy. They're, you know, teenagers and, and becoming young adults and they're very, very wise. And so I'm very excited to share this episode with you. Enjoy. Well, Emily was very happy to see you. She said she interviewed you, huh? Yeah, it actually helped me a lot with my interview with Four Rivers. And like, I did so well in the Four Rivers interview that he said, yeah, just do the background check like right now. Is that okay? And I was like, yeah, sure. I was surprised I did that well. Say what? Really? So tell me about that thing. Go in on that. So you did an interview with Emily and through that interview, you're saying it propelled you into having an interview for a real job in a way that was better than if you didn't do it? Yeah, because huh. my main thing was that I had like really bad anxiety with like that kind of stuff. Uh -huh. So when Emily was like, yeah, like you actually did really good. And like, I wasn't even like, I didn't even know you were nervous. I decided to like 
apply for a lot of jobs but for rivers i did the interview first and Uh like he hired me on the spot it was insane wow well i think it shows a lot too to uh so you're thinking like the the practice of at least doing it once gave you the confidence of doing it again and helped to abate you know stay off some of that anxiety huh yeah and then yLF definitely helped with like self advocacy like I've been asking since I'm kind of hard of hearing um I've been asking for a couple accommodations, and like he didn't even hesitate. He was like, "Yeah, like here's something that might work because I have to be on walkie talkies because I also oh, run wow. food out all right and he said, um a lot of people said if you put it in your pocket, you can feel it, otherwise, like just send the show me anything you any like thing that you think would help, and like I'll gladly buy it." Like he's just really supportive. Uh, so was the whole team. Like I could rave about that, especially that location for like ever. <laughs> well, I think you're bringing up some really interesting points here. So would you say that the communication and ability to just articulate and speak verbally and talk to people was a key part of kind of landing this for them for you? Yeah, a hundred percent, because I kind of learned through the week that it was like, okay, I can just go and be upfront and be like, hey, I need X, Y, and Z, and here's why, here's what I can bring to the table. So was this your first time having to ask for accommodations? Uh, yeah. How did it feel? It, it was really it? nervous at first, because uh-huh. I was like, oh God, like, I don't want it to like be too much. But like, I was like, really like, hey, let's try a workaround first, but then in case that doesn't work. And like immediately he was like, don't worry, we have budget set aside for this. The price wow. doesn't matter. Yeah, and Good. it's also really surprising because like they are faith-based. Like they have a whole page of like, we don't care who you love, what you identify as, if you're disabled or not, you are treated equal here. We will help you out any way we can. I definitely lucked out. <laughs> Well, you know, some people wouldn't say luck, but they're probably well-earned and putting yourself out there. Finding an inclusive community like that is, it warms my heart to hear that. And it makes me just so happy for you that you have the confidence to be able to go for the first time ever to ask for accommodations. And the way you say it there, you did it with such, I think, a high degree of intelligence saying, hey, you know, I'm willing to work with you. And them saying that they already have money set aside for it in their budget, which all organizations should be putting money aside for cost of doing business, you know, expenses for providing accommodations or effective communication if people need an interpreter to access their services or whatever it may be. To hear that they have already that baked into their budget is very encouraging to hear as well. And kudos to you for being able to have that confidence and being able to do it. And so you were beginning to really make a connection between that and your experience with YLF. What would you say your specific experiences with the Youth Leadership Forum that you had, you know, enabled you to have that confidence to go and be able to ask for accommodations for the first time ever? It definitely made me realize that I can. A lot of the times I'm like really nervous and like it's really hard for me to ask outright. It was definitely hard for me to at first let myself say that I am disabled because of the environment I was raised in and then once I got to that point because of the environment and like how I was raised it's like okay well most people would not want me to admit that or don't want to accommodate because it's different and it's weird but then being in that community for a week and now you know still in there as an alumni it's really refreshing because it's 
it's it's also made me realize that even in the workplace it's not bad to be disabled or have a disabilities it's just it's just part of you it's not something that's going to stop you basically I'm really impressed by the words that you just shared there. It just gives me goosebumps and I'm almost tearing up by, you know, kind of what you've gone through right there in terms of transformation. So how would you then explain how you did see disability and think about disability and feel towards disability before you had this kind of awakening experience with Youth Leadership Forum, whatever it might have been, to think of it differently? How would you explain, you know, beforehand your points of view? Mainly um, with mental disabilities being like along the lines of like the big ones being autism and bipolar definitely doesn't mix with having a chronic illness being ehlers downloads, especially since on top of that there is also heart failure prone to mm -hmm. my family so I honestly used to think of it as a death sentence it definitely made my depressive episodes worse because mm -hmm. already thinking oh it's not worth it I only have sorry this got really dark <laughs> You can share whatever you feel comfortable with, okay? You're in a safe space. I don't want you to ever feel pressure to say anything more than you would want to say. Yeah, like still like along those lines, it was definitely like, I genuinely thought of it as a death sentence because my type of Ehlers-Downloads gets to the point where, especially like I said, I have a huge family history of heart failure. From a very young age, I've had to deal with doctors telling me your heart can literally fall apart. So with bipolar added on to that and like severe depression, it was to the point that I felt completely hopeless because it was like, well, there's no point then. I don't know how long I have to live. I like it could be over tomorrow. And to that shift today, I genuinely with also with OCD added into there, I had an obsession with number, I still do have a very huge obsession with number four. So I thought I was going to commit suicide by 16. So once I turned 17, I was like, okay, I need to be everything I stopped myself from being because I thought I didn't have the time. So wow. I came out as trans. I kind of started forcing myself to accept that my disability might mean that I don't live to see next year, but it also might mean that I get to see my grandkids if I ever adopt a kid. I might be able to see my best friend's grandkids. I might be able to do so much. And, uh, sorry, <laughs> it was just, it's kind of hard to explain to people that aren't so affected by mental illness, but mine kind of felt like a hurricane and the eye of the storm the theoretical eye of the storm or eye of the hurricane would have been my 17th birthday because at that point I knew I got through the worst that didn't mean I was magically cured I was going to be a happy go-getter 24 7 but it meant that did I have catching up to do Yes. I'm not like all my friends who had everything planned out, who had their entire lives since day one written in stone. For some reason, turning 17, like literally at midnight, I sobbed tears of joy because I did it. I didn't think I was going to. Even the week or the day before, 
was I suicidal then? No, but it still didn't feel real to me. And now I'm coming up on my 18th birthday. I'm going to vote this year. I'm going <laughs> to nice. get my license and apply for colleges. And yeah. I want to commend you for having the courage to share what you just shared. That takes a ton of courage. And we don't need to air that unless you want us to. And we don't have to decide that now. I just want to say that you have a lot of courage to be able to share what you just shared from your heart. If you can air it, because I know it would help a lot of people because of how alone I felt during that. So if it even helps one person, that's enough for me. You can count me in that one person. You're helping me in so many ways. I'm learning so much from you. And I want to thank you for being real honest. Um, I would would push back on um, your idea that you're behind. You know, I think the path towards learning wisdoms and, and life experiences from my own path has been born out of a lot of what you're calling darkness and and suffering and all these really hard, hard places that I would never wish on anyone. And on the other side of that seems to be what you are really articulating in terms of a new lease on life. You know, it can be anything. You're the creator now. And having that open mindset to all possibilities is amazing. And then for you to share that you would want to share this with other people because you would want to help them in those dark places. And so to them, to those that might be in that place that you are breaking free from, what would you say to them as they're in that place? I could always go through the cheesy place and say, (laughs) um, you're not. But honestly, the thing that would be priceless for me to hear would be the fact that, oh, not that it gets better, not that you're not alone, that you're so strong, but you will get stronger. You are going to fall and that's fine. Being strong is not about being able to have perfect days 24 seven, being able to get through everything without a hitch. You can fall 20,000 times, but as long as you get up for that 20,000th first time, you are in my mind, stronger than somebody that has had everything handed to them their whole life and the other thing being if you are getting help you are not taking from people that need it there are so many resources out there if it's from getting a therapist if it's from calling a crisis line that you are not taking that opportunity from somebody else you deserve it as much as anybody else. So if it will help you, do not let the thought that you don't deserve it or somebody else needs it more stop you. Because that was one of the biggest things that stopped me. And if I could tell 12-year-old Max anything, it would be that. you hug 12 year old max often and frequently being in the place that you're in right now that's kind of why i look so bizarre like this it's just kind of yeah just part of that always lives on in me it's like okay what would 12 year old max do right now yeah 
I, I just, to your points, want to say, I think it's very powerful. It's super wise beyond your years, for sure. Again, I don't think you're behind here. <laughs> I think it's us catching up to you. Talking about falling and getting up 20,000 times. I think it was Mandela that did say, don't judge me by how many times you know I succeeded, but how many times I have fallen down and gotten back up. And yeah, I saw that quote once and I yeah. just lived by it. It's really, yeah. I think the Stoics would say, that pity the person that hasn't been challenged in their life for they'll truly never know how great they can be. You know, that's almost like a pathetic, you know, kind of a life to have it so good, never be challenged. We're built to be challenged in many ways. It may not be fun, but often if we can come out of it, you know, with the attitudes that you're having, the shifts that you're having, we can become better people and learn life values and, and important virtues. Thank you for mentioning resources. The place that you were in when you were saying 16 and, you know, kind of that suicidal range, that's real in so many ways for me personally, too, and for others that have been impacted. And if anyone is feeling that way, you know, please have a plan, get help, reach out to somebody. It's just that place that people need resources. And I'm so glad that you said that. So, Isaiah, you've been listening in on this hearing Max share her heart and talking about a transformation that she's made here. Do you have any thoughts that have been circulating as uh, she's been sharing? I go by he, him pronouns, just a heads up. You're okay. fine. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Yeah, sorry, because um, my thoughts are about depression. And I, uh, although I suffer from a different disability than mass, but I have a uh, depression. Um, I did try and commit suicide three times. So I, uh, I do understand a lot about depression and it's funny. Uh, I think that, you know, people with disabilities are more prone to depression for many reasons. But uh, I think that, you know, that they're kind of sad that, you know, they're not helpful for us. And that, you know, it's helpful to talk about. Thank you, Isaiah. Max, be able to respond to any of that? Yeah, it's just... It's so, I think, I think Isaiah and I definitely prove it that you wouldn't expect, you wouldn't be able to look at people and say, oh, they're suicidal and that they're struggling so hard. And I think especially with disabilities, especially with mental, what people would classify as disabilities, people don't expect us to be able to have the capacity to think such dark thoughts and that's so harmful because a lot of the times it can affect us more because we feel that much more alone and that much more out of place and I'm so sorry that we all relate on this note but it's definitely something that needs to be worked on because if you ask the majority of people with disabilities they've most likely gone through at least one dark patch in their life. I think the statistic says that people with disabilities have a rate of depression around 38% compared to the general population around 15%, like clinical depression beyond the disability, the primary disability, like as a co-occurring condition that often happens. And it's probably underreported, you know, as well. So Isaiah, Max was talking about some of his experiences at the YLF, the Youth Leadership Forum, and how that really impacted his ability to go and now get a job. I don't know if you've told, have you told Isaiah about your job that you recently got? In the Discord, yeah, but 
yeah, I got a job like almost right after YLS. <laughs> and YLS is definitely the bank for that. <laughs> yeah. And so she's obviously, he's obviously, I'm sorry, very impacted by the YLF and it's translated, you know, into something that's really helped him in his life. So has anything since YLF and anything that's happened with you along the way been impacted, at least, you know, how you feel or what you've been doing or even some of your experiences coming out of it? Do you have any thoughts about that you would like to share concerning the Youth Leadership Forum? I think for me, it was the first time that I've experienced this point in that way. Uh, you know, I think something that sticks out is, uh, you know, the fact that people with disabilities the world like kind of Putting it on, like, you know, Sarah, who was the director I had uh, through Apology. Uh, my, uh, Whitney, my, uh, group leader had, uh, had, uh, she was an MPT. I think for me, like, kind of thing, I like to and this buddy, which is like, the Indian leadership role really kind of impacted me. I think for me, it kind of, kind of gave me courage to believe that, you know, that I can, you know, go out and do things and, and hold a higher you know, higher position in society, you know, with my disability. Wow. What gave you that, you know, kind of belief? That, was there anything specific that you did, you know, participating in the experiences that you had at YLF that gave you more of that confidence that you could point to and belief that you can do even more? Well, I think that being around, you know, all the people at YLF, I was kind of learning a lot about kind of different movement in a way that I didn't know about before. Um, I think that for me, it was really impactful. I kind of gave me courage. So I, would, I can't say like one specific thing. So Max, what would you say to people that are listening to this and uh, hearing about you know, some of the experiences that you have coming immediately out of YLF, what Isaiah has been sharing with us, if they're kind of interested in learning more about it or participating, uh, what would you, you know, have to sell them on it, you know, to, to seal the deal? Because right now, I think like, it's very attracting to people that might not know about it, given like some of the feedback that you have both have said about it. What would you say to kind of really encourage people? So again, on the resource thing, whatever happens, if don't think of it as your spot is taking somebody else's your spot means more people like more alumni like us can become staff you are not taking someone's spot you are helping everybody by joining for me it was it genuinely changed my life like that sounds like i'm being over dramatic but like i said i got a job not even a month after ylf ended i made a very close, almost family-like group through the alumni group chats and Facebook pages. And on top of that, it is so helpful to be able to just be seen. Like it, when it comes to communities, it is the first time I have felt like I'm seen as a person instead of someone with a disability Wow! because all of us have one. So it's like, it, it doesn't matter. We're, we're all in the same boat one way or another. And it's accepting no matter who you are. And there are also a lot of things that helped me that I didn't even think I would need. For instance, like, budgeting, college applications, 
it set me up to once I get time to help try and get more mentor classes it is genuinely the most helpful thing as somebody with a disability especially a youth person with a disability that you can do to help set yourself up for success and on top of that you get to hang out with a bunch of cool people <laughs> well one of one of the things that i think would be really important for listeners to understand a little bit more about is you know what is it like to to be a a person a, you know your age with a disability in school and growing up in our culture and society you know, one of the things that uh, has been helpful for a lot of people, I think, is, you know, listening to the, the episodes that we put out there, people have a better sense of what it's like to live in a world or in our world and having a disability and getting a lens into the life of what it's like to have a disability. And certainly, you know, you all being teenagers with a disability, it's always a mystery to, to old people like me, what, what's going on with teenagers. But then also adding in, you know, with disabilities and, and other ways of identifying yourself. What is it like to be you? What is it like for others that don't know exactly this world that they should know about it? Um, you know, Isaiah, maybe I'll start with you on that one. What do you think? What's a good way of explaining kind of what is it like to be in your world? One thing that I wish I knew was that expect people not to believe in things. Um, and it's not because you know, they're nasty and they're not, and they just want me, you know, bad people. They just, I don't see it. They can, they can perceive you in the way that, you know, you perceive yourself. Um, because you're different, you know, I think, I, you know, you really can just leave, you know, you learn, you learn how to listen, you learn how to, you know, uh-huh. achieve above that. But I know other people can't see it. I know for me, um, I think tomorrow I'll be going to California for college. Wow. And I'm like, I in the last year, I just feel like, what the heck? Because, you know, somebody's really, you know, it's too far. Or, you know, and they all had, had dreams on turn. But it's just, I know that, you know, if I didn't have a disability, I wouldn't have gotten up my pit, but that my foot man. Gotcha. So I think one thing to, for people to know is expect, expect for people not, not to believe in yourself. The way you yourself. That's very powerful to believe in yourself despite what others might say or think. And uh, I can only imagine, you know, some of the limitations that perhaps people would be putting putting on us that, you know, we can but then buy into consciously or subconsciously. And, and it's very important to keep that belief and, and faith in ourselves. Not always easy to do. Max, what would you have to say about, you know, a lens into you know, those that may not understand or what it's like to be to be in your world and in, in the world of uh, that you occupy? Uh, to put it shortly, it is very frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely agree with Isaiah on the part that people don't see us how we see ourselves. For instance, something that drives me insane is that people, especially when I talk about what I did earlier, will immediately go to pity. But I understand that most people will view that as kindness, but to me, it doesn't get anything done. To me, it is more hurtful because it makes me think, especially when you try and tie that pity to doing something for me, it makes me feel like you see me as less than you. 
and it's also like sometimes I forget <laughs> that um not everybody has a disability for instance sometimes I do forget that it's not normal to have to be told as a kindergartner that hey you might die in the near future especially when I'm talking to um older people they get so shocked so from the different mindsets to me personally not liking pity I think the most frustrating part is people assuming that we need help it's okay to ask but it if we say no you need to respect that mm. because especially when I have to do things very specifically to not dislocate say if someone opens the door close to me to try and help but then I have to like suddenly like jolt back that could dislocate my ankles that could dislocate my legs and yeah, long story short, like I said, very frustrating. <laughs> very frustrating. How do you help fortify yourself against some of these frustrations that inevitably uh, will, will keep occurring you know, in your life? People may try to be reaching out and, and really coming across in terms of pity or you know, doing all these other kind of things that might put you in harm's way. What are some of the ways you fortify yourself from those external things that you really don't have any control over, but inevitably are gonna be continuing to come across? Definitely setting boundaries mm. and trying to get over the thought that I'll hurt someone's feelings if I have to be more assertive. Because ah. at the end of the day, there are boundaries that will put me in danger if somebody refuses to follow. So if I have to be assertive and come off as rude at times, then it is hard for me, but then I have to keep pushing and say no don't do X, Y, or Z for me. I appreciate uh -huh. it, but. Yeah, that, you know, it got me asking a question too. Like how can people or should people show empathy versus pity? Like I, I would imagine that there's a, I don't know in your mind if there is or not, in mine there kind of is a difference between the two, between pitying somebody and actually having, you know, empathy or, or genuinely compassion just for other people outside of themselves. For me, I feel like the world needs more of those kind of people that are out of their own heads and care about themselves and generally do care about other people, but not in a pity kind of way. How, how do people really, or should people be cultivating more empathy, compassion versus pity? How do people do that? I don't know. You got me thinking of like a, a, a deep question like that. I've, I've heard of people not even asking sometimes and just automatically, like um, I had a friend who is a wheelchair user and they'll be you know, getting their own groceries from a food store and putting it in their car and someone will actually, you know, put their hands in their car, grab one of the bags and start helping them to put those bags in their trunk. And uh, you know, didn't ask for the help and just kind of does it and doesn't do the asking and, and then how to ask appropriately, like, how can I help? You know, it's much better than how do you need help? It's something like that. So I don't know, Max, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Pity versus empathy or compassion? Is, is there anything there? Definitely. I think that is one of the biggest times people forget to ask what you need because it will vary from person for, for person, for instance. I don't like people saying, I'm so sorry for you. Like that gets under my skin, but someone next to me could appreciate something like that. So just go to someone and ask, okay, how can I help? Or how do you like, literally sometimes it is the nicest thing when someone asks me, 
how do you want me to respond? Like genuinely ask that because it's almost, a lot of people think that it's unnecessary, but especially for people like me that are on the autism spectrum that need a little more help, especially with day-to-day conversations, it is so much more helpful. And like, it brightens up my day because it, to me, asking, what do you need? How can I help? Things like that is you sit, you non-verbally saying, I understand that you need help, but that doesn't make you less than that, or that you need certain things that other people don't, but that Mm. doesn't make you less than you're still a person. Right. So we all have needs. Absolutely. They may be different from one another and they can also be the same. A lot of them are the same. We all need love. We all want to be accepted. We fear rejection. I think that's pretty universal. And then of course, yeah, having different needs. And also, I think that also points to, you know, needs and wants and, and you're both at a time in your life where, and I think always people should be asking, well, what am I going to do? What am I planning towards? Who am I? Where am I going? You know, these big important questions and you all are such an exciting time of life where you're coming to know yourselves better. You're doing more things in the world. As Max was saying earlier, how his belief that you got a new lease on life and so much possibilities are out there. I find that sometimes it's challenging when there's so much out there and this is a very transformative time in my life that to kind of narrow in on a specific thing to really kind of get laser focused on, that's my purpose, really creating that purpose. So how are you all going about this process if you are? You know, tell me if you're not, but like really kind of trying to hone in on who am I? What am I working towards in terms of being, doing, achieving? Where do I see myself? Or if you're visioning you know, yourself in the next year, three years, five years, et cetera. I, I don't know if this is resonating with you, but let me know what you think. Either one of you can take this. Total jump, jump ball. This one, oh my God. Okay, so <laughs> my biggest tip, if you don't have a thing yet, try everything bit by bit. Just Ooh. if you don't have the money you can find the resources outside. For instance, I had a friend that literally like, they found out they liked, I think it was literal fabric making because they would weave together grass or you could go through Dollar Tree or Walmart and they have cheap things. But the thing, the reason why I say you finding a thing is so important is because my thing being art through and through mm. <laughs> genuinely saved my life. And if you can find something that's steady, that doesn't change, that is always there for you, and it's just your rock, it will help you so much because even if someone loves you unconditionally, there are times that people can't be there for you because they have their own things. But a random pencil and a napkin I got from 7-Eleven, that will always be there. So... So how do you feel when you do art, when, when you are doing art? Like, how would you explain that state that you're in? Especially since with my autism, expressing emotions is very, very difficult for me. I feel them very different and I, I express them very differently than neurotypical people. It is like 50 tons of weights off my shoulder because I just somehow 
unconsciously figure out how to put that to paper and it's so much easier because um here I'm going to hype up art even if you're not autistic if you don't want to tell someone something it doesn't have to be pretty it doesn't have to look like a Picasso scribble on a paper for all I care write the words you need to get out but can't tell anybody 50 times until the paper rips it's just like especially since I also struggle with opening up it seriously is like the most therapy I can have but still go to therapy <laughs> I Max you don't at least in this conversation come across as somebody that you know has reservations about opening up you're you you seem to be a well open book <laughs> yeah I, art helps with that art, art helps with that yeah that's why I was interested in asking thank you for sharing theme on our podcast is independence, living independently. And you all are certainly, again, in a very transformative part in your time on being on the planet in terms of our culture and society, earning more independence. And what does that even look like, et cetera? But what does independent living, living independently mean to you? Uh, Max, I'll, I'll start with you if you don't mind, but what does independent living mean to you? Yeah, sure. Uh, for me, it means getting out of this house, uh, my parents' house. <laughs> but it also, yeah, just especially since it's very fresh, because like I'm barely turning 18, like three months. Uh. Um, it's definitely getting to the right headspace so that I won't have a new deadline, like the age 16. It's mm. being able to admit when I need help and that independence doesn't mean alone forever. Independence means mainly going off of my own means. Uh -huh. Nice one. Nice one. Isaiah, what do you have for us? What does independent living or living independently mean to you? I'll put it simply going where I want to, how I want to, when I want to, huh. with who I want to, and with nice. what I want to. Oh, I mean, you know, I, I think. I think uh, as somebody with disability, that's definitely important. And like what Matt said, um, and Matt kind of touched on this before too. You know, it's important to like all people that you know that help is there. But then I think, especially you know, with parents, um, you know, they try and you know, I don't want to say fault, but like they think you need help. They think you need assistance. And when you say no, when you kind of go no, I can do it on my own. You know, you kind of you kind of get, get a little bit perfect and then you know yeah. you're you being disrespectful, you know, yada, yada, yada. No, but but yeah, I think so for me, you know, kind of just living, living my life as any other adult, you know, without anybody trying to tell me, you know, oh, you can't do it, you know, you need help, you know, that, you know. Nice. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Very wise, both of you beyond your years. So we're going to, we're going to have some, I just want to, you know, you to feel a jump ball on this one, take this where you want to. I want to go to each of you, Isaiah, I'll start with you, but what are some of your just closing thoughts or remarks? Do you have anything that's on your mind or heart that you would want to, that you would want to share? Yeah, just simple. So 
Himmelberg, you know, it's so hard to find. Be kind to people. Be kind. You know, people are okay. Yeah, I think that's the problem with, you know, society and how they deal with the community. I think they forget that we're people. Like, we, we are people, too. We have feelings. We, we, we want to do a lot just like you do. Give you a with respect. And, it, it, and if you, you want to more act, like, you're, like we're, not, we're not like mean people. Like, we, not, we, we you know, don't mind talking about the disability. But it's just, you know, respect that, you know, if we say, hey, this is something touching for me, you know, respect that. Or if we say, no, I don't need help, respect that, you know. Kindness and respect. I love it, Isaiah. Max, what's on your mind? What's on your heart? What are some, some things that you would want to leave us here with? So I definitely second what Isaiah said, but uh, for people who don't have disabilities, ask us. We appreciate it so much when you ask us. Don't assume what we need. Don't assume what kind of disabilities we have or et cetera. Ask. But to people who do have disabilities uh, or do just need to like hear this, even if they don't, you've earned your place here. You deserve to be here. I know it's hard because we're, especially um, everyone in this podcast right now, we have to try so much harder, but you have earned your place here. Don't let anybody else tell you otherwise, especially not yourself. Huh. Yeah, sometimes that can be the worst worst one telling us some of those things. That's for sure. Well, I want to acknowledge both of you for the courage that it takes to be able to share what's on your mind, what's on your hearts, and what's on your thoughts. I really, really appreciate you taking the time to do this. I know I've I've learned a lot. Uh, Max, I, I, I do want to apologize to you for not using the appropriate pronouns. Um, no, I don't, it's I, no, it's not. And, and I don't feel good about it. And, and it encourages me to be better. So, you know, I, I, I look forward to growing. I look forward to growing. And, and, and you've, you've heard. <laughs> I just want to hype that up. I know this isn't about being trans, but take yeah. notes because yeah. just kiss right there. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, again, I do sincerely, I'm learning and, and I appreciate your grace and kindness towards me as I'm learning and seek to do better. So thank you. Thank you for that. You've heard that inappropriate use of pronouns enough, and I'm sorry to have contributed to that. Um, look forward to being better. And I want to also acknowledge you all um, for being wise beyond your years and have something for all of us to learn from. I hope we can check back in with you all just to see how things are going. I'm very excited for you all. This point in your life is super exciting and so full of endless possibilities to live independently, to have a happy quality of life, to share it with others or ourselves. I hope to see some of your art. You, know, you give me a new sense of the world and the wonder and amazement that's in it. So thank you for being present. Thank you for being you. Thank you for growing and evolving and helping others to do the same. Like you're helping me right now beyond so many things right now that I'm, I'm looking at differently and having this conversation. And I think that's really what a leader does. A leader for me is somebody that helps make others better just by their mere presence and being unapologetically afraid to be themselves. 
So I want to acknowledge you both for being just that and, and it's helping me already. So thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you for having us. All right. Well, I hope we can do this dance again. And until next time, onward and upward. Thanks for listening to the Independent Life Podcast brought to you by the Center for Independent Living of North Central Florida. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe. And if you know anyone who might benefit from listening, share this podcast and invite them to subscribe too. For questions, suggestions, or if you have a story you'd like to share, please email us at cilncf.org at gmail.com or call us at 352-378-7474. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, support, advocate, and empower each other to live the independent life.